Welcome back to the Hockey News American Pipeline podcast. I am Mike Stevens, and sitting virtually across from me is the lovely Sydney Wool. Sydney, how you doing? Doing good. We're starting to get some weird weather here in the Midwest and mm-hmm. in Minnesota, North Dakota. So I'm definitely reminded that it's November now. It's fully, you know, turning into winter, but it's all good. I think I'm ready for it. Very cool. Well, as long as you're, as long as you're staying, you're staying warm, you're staying safe. That's all that really matters. Um, things that are speaking of things that are heating up here. The American Pipeline. It's the NCAA and the USHL. Um, uh, yeah, the NCAA and, U- and USHL sort of like streams, as we like to call them. Why don't we get through? Let, let's let's just rip through the performers of the week. Tee everyone up for for what uh, uh what what transpired in the last little bit. Yeah, so there's a lot of big games, a lot of big performances. We're going to touch on a little bit of everything. We'll sort of see how much we get through. But the first one uh, that I wanted to talk about is a name I've been hearing a lot in some some draft talk for the future so Mm -hmm. this is going to be a good name for people that like to you know speculate about the draft and all that and i couldn't find a line chart pronunciation of this player's name so i'm so sorry if i'm saying it wrong Um, but it's the green bay gamblers of the ushl uh their defenseman artyom levshunov levshunov i've heard people say it both ways so sorry levshunov levshunov however you pronounce your last name, but he's been doing really, really well. He joined the USHL, had two goals and three assists and was plus three this weekend. And he's only 17 year old uh, from Belarus. So he's an international player and he's probably going to be a, a pretty big name to watch for the 2024 draft because currently he leads all defensemen in the USHL in goals uh, with six, I believe right now. And he's second in total points scored for a defender in the USHL. And he's also got really good size, six foot two, about 200 pounds, uh, and I just think that's going to be a really big name to watch for the draft coming up. And he had a really big weekend. So I would definitely expect some big things from him coming up again. I'm not quite sure how to say his name because he's still a still an up and coming prospect here. Uh, and he's not committed, I believe, to any you know NCAA programs or anything like that yet. But had a really good weekend and a player to watch. And I believe he was just named the USHL Defenseman of the Week. So that's cool. There you go. All right. Then there's Michael Emerson, Chicago Steel. Yeah, so we talk about the Steel players all the time all because the time. they have a really, really good team uh, this year. But so Michael Emerson is a name I don't think we've actually talked about on the show yet. So he has three goals and two assists over two games uh, this past week. He's a UMass commit and he just had a really good solid weekend. So notable player there, another strong player for the Steel uh, coming up through the American pipeline, as as we like to say on this podcast. Love it. Love yeah, it. so he was, I believe, the the forward of the week for the USHL honors after you know a five five point weekend. Incredible. All right, another one, Mate Marinov or Mate, I believe is how you pronounce it. I mean, I don't know. Look, Levshinov. Yeah, there's a couple Mate. international players yeah. for, for this for this week, but we're trying our best is what we're trying to put out here. Yeah, so I'm usually kind of a stickler about pronunciations. So if I can't find a line chart, you know phonetic pronunciation we're just going to go with the flow but yeah so Matei Marinov like you said I think that's how you say it um he plays for the Fargo Force of the USHL and he was the goaltender of the week this week he's 4-0 on the season he had a 21 save shutout last weekend so that's pretty good and I'm pretty sure he's at around a 0.945 save percentage which is really good sometimes it can be tough in the USHL uh because you're playing against (laughs) such good players so to have Mm -hmm. stats like that that's really good. It's still early on in the season to kind of tell. Some teams like to rotate their goalies in that league, but he had a really good weekend, was a noted performer of the week. So another goalie to keep your eye on. There's some interesting ones in the USHL this year. Very, very cool. Um, all right. 
Corey Iserman, Iserman, Iserman. And yeah, so, so Iserman, I was thinking like, because I've, I've talked to people before and they say his name, like just, it, you know, audibly in passing. Yes. So I'm like, oh, Steve Iserman's kid. No, <laughs> that is incorrect. Yes. So sounds similar, sounds mm -hmm. similar. Uh, but we have some, you know, world tournaments going on, international tournaments going on right now. And we're not here to like cover those game by game or anything. Um, but just some notables, Cole Iserman, who's a Minnesota commit, and then James Hagens, who we've talked about before, who's the one who's super young, not eligible yeah. until 2025. They have been just tearing it up and are on pretty much a record-breaking pace at this point uh, at, at the world uh, U-17s. And, you know, they're just, they're killing it. Uh, <laughs> Iserman has 13 points in five games. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. He has nine goals and four assists. And then James Haggins, who I think just turned 17, I'm pretty sure I just read. I think it was this fall. Um, or That's just turned crazy. 16, something like that. I'll, I'll double check. He just turned He's 16. very young. That's what he was 15. He just turned 16 in November, like literally a week ago. So he just turned 16 and now he's tearing it up. He has 14 points in five games, five goals, nine assists. And he has like all this time until his draft year. So just keep an eye on those two because wow, they're, they're tearing it up right now. Uh, and they might be some of the best players that we've seen at that tournament if they can keep it up. Because uh, I know they've been playing quite a few games. I don't know when they play next, though. Probably soon. Very cool. Yeah, not not Steve Eiserman's kid. That is that yes. is the main <laughs> takeaway. And I have been I have been uh, wrong basically for the entire season. So it's good. I'm glad you could you could clear that up. Um, all right, as you were saying, the the Five Nations U U18 tourney. Uh, Want to go through that? Yeah. So there's again, like I said, a couple different, you know, international mm -hmm. tournaments going on. So at the at the U18 Five Nations, uh, they haven't played as many games. I think they've only played two at the time that we're recording this. I'm pretty sure Morin Manetian Manetian Manetian. Again, I'm, another another. Tough again, one. I think it's Manetian. Um, Manetian, maybe. Yeah, something mm. like that. We're gonna Again, go. With, let's just, go with Maneshian, and then we if we're we, wrong, we'll apologize. We talk about way too many players on the show for us to get every name right. But exactly. They both have five points apiece in two games, so they're tearing it up. And then Smith, Leonard, and Perot, who we've talked about, all of those guys on the show, they're at four points in two games. So just keep an eye on them. Still pretty early on. They've only played two games in the tournament, so hard to tell. But USA doing pretty well so far, and that's it. I think for our like USHL type NTDP players. So now we're going to like switch over to college and some of their top performers. Let's do it. All right. So Sacred Heart D Connor Hutchison for assists in only one game played against Mercyhurst. Yeah. So this player, I thought, uh, you know, I always like looking around and seeing what, what players we can mention for some of our top performers. So Sacred Heart uh, defenseman, Connor Hutchison, he had four assists in, in a game last weekend against Mercyhurst. And I just thought it was, you know, a notable performance because he's already surpassed his entire amount of points scored last season in just nine games played this year. So really nice to see, you know, it sounds like he's taken a, a pretty big step up here and having four assists in any game in college hockey is, is a hard thing to do. So really nice performance there from the Sacred Heart defender. Very cool. All right. Then we got Michigan State's Dylan St. Cyr. Yeah, so Michigan State, that's their goaltender. He had two wins uh, and one shutout this this weekend. They played Wisconsin, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Wisconsin. Uh, he made 88 of 89 saves. So that's, that's uh, insane. <laughs> pretty that's good. Ridiculous. 
that's a lot of shots allowed, and he saved pretty much all of them, which I think is about a 0.988 or 0.989, something like that save percentage. So he was, you know, a star of the week, I believe, in, in the Big Ten. Uh, but he's one of those curious cases who he played for Notre Dame and then transferred and Quinnipiac, and now he's at Michigan State. So he's at his third school, and I think he's kind of an underrated goalie because he's one of those five foot eight goaltenders. So I feel like he doesn't get that much hype, but he's really good. Incredible. Yeah. Look, five foot eight. I get like, look, we, we, we've been talking about how we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to stunt for the, the short Kings here. And I'm glad, I'm yes. glad that we're doing that. And look, if you have a nine, eight, eight, save percentage, nine, eight, nine. I mean, you're, you're good in my book. All right. Michigan State's Eric Middendorf. Yeah, so just a good weekend for Michigan State. Their goalie Clearly. played well, and then uh, Eric Middendorf played well uh, too. He had four four goals in one of the games against Wisconsin, and one of them was, or two of them, I should say, were 15 seconds apart. So that's kind of crazy. You know, you don't see that very often in, in any level to just score, you know, back-to-back seconds apart. Uh, and I read a stat on, I think it was the Big Ten's website that said he's the first Michigan State player to score four goals in a game since like 1998 or something. So pretty that's huge crazy. for their program. That's that's absolutely insane. I was two years old in 1998. So um, pretty wild. All right. Another one. Western Michigan. Like it's not the same school, but obviously the state of Michigan. What a what a weekend they've had uh, for Jason Poland. He had he had eight points, six goals, two assists. Um in these two games over the weekend. What, what a performance. Yeah. So Western Michigan, you know, some people thought would be a little bit down this year. I thought so too, just cause they, they lost a lot of their talent this off season, but Jason Poland had a hat trick in both games this weekend. So that's huge. Uh, again, that's, that's hard to do eight points in two two games. And then his teammate who we talked about last week, Ryan McAllister, the freshman had six assists this weekend. So Western Michigan had a, had a big weekend and, Ryan McAllister. I mean, that's a, that's a really good uh, freshman. I mean, that's six assists this weekend. And last weekend we talked about, he had a huge performance as well. So keep your eye on, on him. It's always fun now that we're like pretty into the season that we start getting repeat people here. Like, you know, week after week, we start talking with the same person. Then you start realizing, Oh, this is a very good player. Um, Mankato's David Silly Sillier. Yeah, I've heard some people say Cilia, so I'm just Cilia? gonna say okay. I'm just gonna say Cilia, but I've heard a cu- couple people say it a little different. But Mankato mm-hmm. or Minnesota State, however you want to say it, I'm from Minnesota, <laughs> so we just say Mankato here. Uh, but he had five goals this weekend, two in one game, and then three in the other against St. Thomas. So huge weekend for him. And Mankato still still's got some good players uh, coming through their program, even though they lost, you know, Dryden McKay and a couple others last year in the off season. Uh, but they they still got some good players. Incredible. All right. Then we got Providence College's Riley Durin. He had a hat trick against UMass. Yeah. So that one, again, just hat trick at any level is is a feat. And uh, PC had a nice, nice uh, game there. And Riley Duran, hat trick against UMass. You know, self-explanatory. I mean, what else can you say, really? Yeah. yeah. And then our player to watch last week was Jimmy Snuggerud. And he had a pretty big, he, had, he, had, he followed up with a pretty good weekend, two goals and one assist. Yeah, so last week, you know, I said, watch Jimmy Snuggerud. He mm-hmm. was doing really well for Minnesota, and he had another really strong weekend. Uh, two goals, one assist, so that's that's a good trend. We'll see if we can keep it up here with our with our players to watch. Incredible. All right, yeah, our players to watch now. We got Colorado College's Noah Laba. Yeah, so Noah Laba, uh, I think, is just a really fun player to watch. He's been another really impactful freshman. We've talked to 
talked a little bit about a couple of those other ones and playing in the NCHC as a freshman is never easy, but he's making it look uh, pretty easy right now. He's a fourth round pick of the Islanders uh, this, this past year, actually. And so far he's 10 points and 10 games played as a freshman. So that's really hard to do in college hockey going a point for point per game. Uh, he's 19 years old, played for Lincoln in the USHL before college and, and had good numbers, but it was nothing like crazy flashy or anything. So it's really nice to see him just jump right into college and he's really just taken off and I think has had a really nice start to the season. So keep your eye on Noah Laba and hopefully we'll have a pattern here and hopefully he'll have a really good weekend and we can just keep it going like that. Very cool. All right. Then our team to watch and you have this in our prep underlined and have, I would say <laughs> four exclamation marks next to it. So you're very passionate. Yes. about this. Yeah. So Merrimack is a team I almost picked last week for the team to watch uh, because they've just been slowly, but surely sneaking up and creeping up on all of these top teams. And they swept Boston college this, this last week, which was huge for them. Uh, and the last time that happened, I read was in 1997 that they swept Boston college. That's how long it's been since that has happened, which has been forever. And Merrimack has had some really, really nice wins on the year so far. So I'd say keep your eyes on them. They're slowly but surely sneaking up the polls. I think they were 19 this week, if I remember correctly. And I think in the pairwise, they're at 20. So if this was the end of the season, they'd be on sort of that bubble to make the tournament. But they've really had some nice, big wins that have really been establishing them as, as a team to watch this year. Uh, they also split with UMass earlier this year. Both games went to overtime, so that means they had a shot in both of them. Uh, they swept BC. They beat Clarkson earlier in the year. They beat New Hampshire earlier in the year. They beat Colgate. I think they split with Colgate. So they have some really nice wins, just if they're able to get a little bit more consistent um, and get a couple other nice wins. I think they're just going to keep moving up here. So watch out for Merrimack. I'm huge on Merrimack right now. And their next four games are all – winnable they have a series against Maine two games against Maine which I think they'll be able to win um, then they play I think just one game against Sacred Heart and one against Holy Cross so I think those games are all winnable for them and if they're able to win all four of those games they're just going to keep moving up so keep your eye on Merrimack I'm pretty high on them and I think they're just going to keep on moving up the polls here I mean I think that's worthy of the four exclamation marks uh, marks honestly I think I think you didn't overhype them there that's pretty that's pretty legit <sighs> Yeah, I just like to seeing teams that, you know, aren't the traditional like top five or top 10 power teams doing really well. It's fun to see, you know, teams that maybe have had a couple down years move up. So I love seeing those underdog teams do that. So keep your eye on Merrimack. They've been they've been fun to watch so far. Absolutely. All right. Let's rattle through our top five games of the week for the weekend ahead. Yeah, so top five games of the week. Uh, there's actually one I'm going to save for the end because we have a weather situation here in the Midwest that might affect some things. Um, By but, the way, it is it is in terms of Celsius at least. It's 18 yes. degrees here in Toronto. Yeah, so, so you it's guys a bit are different. Yeah, getting some different things here than we yeah. are in the Midwest, but. First game of the week, uh, this one is going to be really fun. So number eight, Penn State is taking on number one, Minnesota. But Penn State 
had their first loss actually uh, this past weekend. They they played Michigan and they split, which was huge. But before that, Penn State was undefeated on, on the year. So this is going to be a really big matchup. If Minnesota is able to sweep, they're probably going to stay at number one after this weekend. But if Penn State's able to get any wins, I think they might actually hot take be sort of valid for that number one spot because they have a really, really good record. And they prove that they're able to play with good teams after after playing Michigan. Uh, so that's one that I think is really interesting. I'm definitely going to be interested in watching that game this weekend. We also have another another big, huge matchup, top 10 matchup here. Number seven, UConn taking on number nine, Providence. UConn, a lot of fans are really high on them right now. A lot of people are as well. And Providence, I think, is a team that's also really good. So that's going to be a close one. Mm-hmm. Number seven and number nine. So whoever, if someone's able to sweep, they're probably going to flip spots or even – go further up, further down. We'll see if they split, they might stay where they are. Uh, UMass, number 11, taking on number 14, BU, Boston University. Again, that's always a big, big game and they're close in the polls. So we'll see if anything changes or if any team's able to come away with the sweep. This was kind of my wild card pick for the week. Bemidji State is playing Northern Michigan. Uh, neither of these teams, I believe, are ranked right now, but they're really close in the pairwise. I think Bemidji mm-hmm. State's 24 and Northern Michigan's 29. So if either of these teams are able to come out with two wins, uh, that's going to be huge for them because both of these teams are, are going to be wanting these wins to try and get into the tournament at the end of the year. So that's a, that's a big game for those two. And then this last one. So like I said, we have some weather situations going on in the Midwest. So where I am in Minnesota, we're not getting any snow. It's just raining and it was thunderstorming last night, which was really weird for November. But in North Dakota, they are currently in a winter storm warning and might get a foot of snow. Holy smokes. They are in a huge winter storm. And Denver is supposed to be flying to North Dakota the day that we're recording this Thursday. They're supposed to be flying into, I believe, Fargo and then bussing up to Grand Forks, which is about usually I think it's like an hour and a half, two hour drive. And if people that are listening to this, I assume are mostly from Canada, uh, but North Dakota is super flat. That drive to Fargo to Grand Forks, very flat. So if there's a snowstorm, it's like impossible to get anywhere. So I heard that flights getting into Fargo are being canceled right now. So we'll see if that game actually happens because Denver, I don't know if they're going to be able to get to Grand Forks. It it might be really hard if they're supposed to get a foot of snow uh, throughout the next 24 hours here. So that was my other fifth game of the week. Number two, Denver taking on number 12, North Dakota. That's a big NCHC matchup. But as of right now, it's on. We'll see. Again, huge snowstorm. I don't know how they're going to get there, but they're going to try. So we'll see. Yeah, the thing is you have to actually like get to the place to play the game. So it's not so much that you, like the roof is going to cave in. It's that no one can get there. And that's that's pretty important. So, yeah, incredible. Yeah. All right. A couple notable things before we get into our sort of our team analysis, our team rundown of prospects. Why don't, why don't we get through some of the decommits that we had? Yeah, so I'm just going to run through these really quick. Uh, but this week there was a lot of players that decommitted for whatever reason, whether, you know, there's a ton of different reasons why players might decommit from, from the college programs they, they committed to. But these are just a couple that I heard of uh, for players that are in juniors. So I heard David Heimovich of Muskegon no longer is listed as a Quinnipiac commit. Tyler Dunbar was supposed to be a North Dakota player. He plays for Muskegon right now. He's not listed as that anymore. Uh, Michael Emerson, who we just talked about at the beginning of mm-hmm. the show, it looks like he's no longer UMass, so can be recruited by anybody. 
and on Sorbonne of the Omaha Lancers, no longer listed as Michigan. Uh, Michael Burchill, no longer also UMass, a couple of UMass decommits here this fall. And it sounds like I heard through the grapevine on Twitter that it sounds like Michigan, North Dakota, and Minnesota were kind of like in the mix for him. We'll see if that plays out. And then I know we don't usually talk about the NAL here on this podcast, but that's mm -hmm. part of the American pipeline. And the the NAL, the NAHL leading scorer, David Andrechuk, I think is how you say his last name. Uh, he's their leading scorer in the whole NAL, and he's no longer listed as a St. Lawrence commit. So that's probably going to be a really big pickup. And I'm sure colleges are excited to look look there because being a leading scorer in the NAL is is pretty good. Uh, that's hard to do. So he plays for the Northeast Generals. I think he's from the Los Angeles area. He's the captain and he has 27 points in 20 games. So that's pretty big. Uh, and then the last one I heard of was CJ Foley of Salmon Arm in the BCHL. I heard was no longer listed as Holy Cross. So that's just some of the decommits I heard of. That means they're probably open to whoever now and will be committing to a new program hopefully soon. Very cool. Um, considering considering that there is like an like a, a Hall of Famer, an extremely important player uh, called Dave Andrzejczyk, or same like same spelling and everything. I was wondering if they are related. It doesn't appear to be, which is a massive. I was coincidence, say, are they linked? They like, might. I mean, they they might be. I they, I haven't really looked into from it. Like a, a nephew or like a cousin perspective. He's not his yeah. kid. I was going to say I haven't. A, I don't really know anything of anything about him. That's a that's a null team that isn't very close to me, you know, state, state wise, proximity wise. So I haven't really watched them. I just heard this on Twitter. He's their leading scorer, which is crazy. Uh, and yeah, he's no longer listed as a St. Lawrence commit. So that's huge. Could definitely be related. I would believe it. Everyone's they're not, related. They're not linked on their online stats page, but that, that doesn't mean anything. Go. All right. Those are all the notables we got, or you want to rattle through some more? Yeah, the only other things I mean I wanted to touch on was that the the NLI signing day was this week, the National Letter of Intent signing day. So most mm -hmm. players that are going to be uh, going to college, they signed their NLI, which means they can't be recruited to other schools, essentially. So there were tons and tons of Minnesotan players where I'm from and players from the USHL signing their NLIs, meaning I'm going to this school, because uh, then you can't really break that contract unless there's like very specific ways. I don't know. You, you don't do that necessarily. Yeah. Uh, so that was this week. And then one big commitment I wanted to touch on, Shattuck St. Mary's forward, Aiden Park, committed to Michigan this week. And he's a really big name because he has been a really good uh, player uh, in the past couple of seasons for Shattuck St. Mary's. He's posted a crazy amount of points. He had 118 in 54 games last year. And the year before that, for his 14U season, he had 133 points in 50 games. So... Huge name to watch. I'm sure that's going to be a name coming up for the draft in, in a couple of years. But he's really good, and he committed to Michigan. So that's another high-level Michigan recruit. And then uh, just lastly, I saw this on Schlossman's Twitter uh, earlier today uh, from the Grand Forks Herald. And he said that, interestingly, this is interesting, Dubuque in the USHL added the rights to University of Wisconsin's Charlie Straymill and Caden Brown to its protected list, which is weird because they're already in college. So obviously that doesn't mean they're leaving their collegiate program, but usually if that happens, it means like they might go back to the USHL second semester or after that year, go back, play juniors until they're not eligible. 
and then commit somewhere else and play college. So it's kind of like a weird back and forth, like juniors to college, back to juniors, back to college, which is strange, but it seems weird that Dubuque would add these players to their protected list if they didn't have some inside info that was telling them that maybe these players were looking for other opportunities. Again, we talked about Wisconsin struggling the past few years. So maybe they're just seeing that and they want to explore their opportunities. I don't know. It doesn't mean anything yet, but it's notable. So just wanted to mention that. So yeah, that, that was a, that was a big thing. Uh, I think that's all of our notables. So we might as well head on to our NHL uh, team profile. Which, interestingly enough, I don't have a jersey. Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to be watching this part of the show, but mm -hmm. typically I hang up a jersey behind me. I don't have an Islanders jersey, but I have an Islanders shirt. It's good so, enough. So I hung my Islanders shirt. I try to have a, a large variety of teams and jerseys and all that stuff. That so. is that is more than than workable here. Doing great. And you, 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 the cat's out of the bag here because we are doing the New York Islanders going through their prospects and as we call the American pipeline, let's start with Jacob Pivanka. Yeah. So Jacob Pivanka uh, plays for Nebraska Omaha and he's a fifth year. So that means I, this is likely his last year of eligibility. I think he's played all five years. Uh, he currently has six points in 10 games. So not too, not too shabby there. And you might know his last name or be familiar with it because his dad is Michael Pivanka. He was a former player for Czechoslovakia back in the day, and he played for the Washington Capitals back in the 80s and 90s. So if you were a Caps fan, you might have heard of his dad. Uh, he hasn't had like a ton of offensive production. He actually played four years at Notre Dame and then transferred to Nebraska Omaha this season. Uh, and his best year was 11 points in 35 games. So he hasn't had like a ton of offensive upside necessarily in in points production this season he already has six points so maybe he just needed that change of scenery uh he was a fourth round pick back in 2018 so so quite some time ago but right now for nebraska omaha excuse me uh he's actually on the first line with jack randall and tyler weiss so that might be a nice fit for him to just get some first line minutes with nebraska omaha and hopefully have his best year of college hockey so far he was a former national team development program player. So that means obviously he has some talent uh, and he wore the C. He was a captain at Notre Dame last year. So that means he also must be a, a good locker room guy and a good person to be a captain of that program. No kidding. Captain of Notre Dame. That's not a, you know, that's not a role that you take lightly. All right. Cameron Berg from Nebraska, Omaha. Yeah. So this is another Nebraska, Omaha player. There's just two on this list. So this is uh, Jake Pavanka's teammate right now. Cam Berg, he's a sophomore forward. He currently has five points in 10 games. So again, not too shabby. Uh, he's six foot. So, you know, pretty, pretty good height there. Left wing uh, currently, you know, doing pretty good for Nebraska Omaha. He had really good numbers in the USHL though, a couple of years ago, I think he started playing with Omaha and then moved to Muskegon and had really good seasons there for Muskegon. So obviously he has a lot of potential and a lot of scoring power. Uh, he had 23 points in 37 games last year as a freshman, which is pretty good because like I said, jumping into the NCHC as a freshman, not easy to do. So that those are pretty good numbers actually. Uh, and he was a fourth round pick back in 2021. So another pr pretty solid pick, nothing too flashy, but definitely a solid player to have in your, in your pipeline. Absolutely. All right. Then we got Alex Jeffries from Merrimack. Your, that's your favorite place apparently. Well, yes. I mean, I, I am, you know, true, 
a true only St. Cloud State fan when it comes down to the end of it, but I am super hype on Merrimack right now. Uh, and Alex Jeffries is a is an Islanders prospect. He currently has 11 points in nine games. Really, really good. Over a point per game. It's hard to do in college hockey early on. He's a junior forward. Like I said, part of Merrimack, which right now is a team to watch. They're up and coming. Uh, and he's kind of one of those cases where he went straight from high school to college hockey, which is very, very difficult to do. He was a fourth round pick back in 2020, and he's had pretty, pretty good points production so far. But I think he's got another, you know, level he can reach. I think he can kick it up another notch, kick it up a bit with points production. But again, just a very solid uh, prospect to have for the New York Islanders. So far, it's just been all players that have been like pretty solid, pretty, pretty generally good players. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, that's that's the that's sort of the hallmark of the, the Islanders organization, just like no one really stands out like crazy, just very solid, yes. very good players. And they seem to be sticking with that uh, uh, till the end here. All right. Christian Krieger. Yeah. So this player has a lot of family ties as well to other hockey players. He currently plays with his twin brother at Michigan State. They're both like big defensemen. And then his dad, Todd, uh, was a pro player for a couple different NHL teams. So he's definitely got hockey in his blood. If you go to his like stats pages, there's like all these other players that are related to him that you can look at all their stats and stuff. Uh, but so he plays at Michigan state. He's a fifth year. So this is his last year, mm -hmm. big defender, six foot two. Uh, he's not big on the points production side of things, only one point in six games so far. And he was one of those sort of gamble picks. He was a seventh round pick back in 2018. I think his twin brother Cole also was a seventh round pick. He's a Florida draft pick though uh, but they were both sort of like these late round picks and like I said not a big point producer uh, his best season for points was eight and 36 so he's more of just that like big enforcer type guy he did have 79 penalty minutes last year in 36 games so you know like I said bigger enforcer guy uh, but he's got hockey in his blood so he's got a lot of family ties to hockey players uh, but this is his last season to make a statement for college hockey and then after that he's gonna have to you know, go into likely a pro hockey situation and see how that goes. So this is his last year of eligibility. So you could probably expect for him to try and have his best year yet uh, at Michigan State this year. He's going to have to get a real job after this year. Oh, boy. It's going to be crazy. All right. And then we have two USHL ones here, uh, two USHL prospects. We got yes. first one is Quinn Finley from Madison. Yeah, so Quinn Finley is a really fun prospect. I've heard a lot of buzz about him lately in the past uh, couple of months here. So Madison was actually in the Clark Cup Finals last year for the USHL, and they didn't win it, but they were the second-place team, which is still really good, really hard to do. Um, Quinn Finley was a really good player for Madison last year, and currently for the Capitals, he has 15 points in 11 games. He's really kicked it up a notch this season so far. Five foot eleven. he's a left wing. He was a third-round pick this past summer. Uh, and this is his third USHL season. So every year he's been one of those players that's just gotten better and better and better, which is really good to see. I think that's nice to see a player who like you start off, you know, it's really hard to get to the USHL. You maybe don't have the season you want. The next year you get a little bit better. The next year you get a little bit better. I just love watching players who are able to do that and just kind of just keep advancing their game. So Quinn Finley plays for Madison. He's a Wisconsin commit. So I assume that means next year he'll probably probably be playing for the Badgers. Uh, and he's just a big part of the Madison team right now. He's one of their top players and he's had a really, really good start to the season over a point per game so far. So hopefully he's able to light it up this season 
and then head on to Wisconsin next year in the Badgers and hopefully be a key player for them. Very cool. And then finally, the last player in this, as we call it, the American Pipeline, we got Tom Tomas Machu. Yeah, and again, this is another international player. We've yeah. got a couple of those on the show today. Uh, but he currently plays for Youngstown in the USHL. Uh, he has three points in nine games. So nothing crazy points-wise, but uh, he's a big defender, six foot four, and he's from Czechia. He was a seventh-round pick in 2021. So again, one of those later-round picks who normally it's like, we're going to pick you. We think you have some potential, but we'll sort of see how that plays out. Last year, he didn't have a ton of points. He, I don't think he had any goals. He had six assists and 34 games played. So we'll sort of see what happens there. I think he's more of a defensive defenseman. He did play for the U-20s for Czechia, so obviously that means he's he's got some talent. Uh, and he's a Colorado college commit. So he's planning to play college hockey. He has plenty of time to develop his game, you know, in juniors and then through Colorado college. So just because he doesn't have a ton of points and he's not the flashiest defenseman right now, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, he still has time to be a really good prospect. He's got plenty of time, juniors, college hockey, all that stuff. So kind of overall, like you said, New York Islanders, not a ton of flashy players really on here on, here on this list, but a lot of just pretty solid prospects overall. Very cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's American Pipeline. Um, what a great, what a great time breaking down, you know, the NCAA, the USHL. We even gotten into some, as you like to call it, the NAL, the NA, the NAHL. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy stuff. Um, we'll obviously be back to do this all again next week. A ton of fun. You can follow Sydney Wolf at Sydney is a Wolf on Twitter. Me at Mikey Stevens eighty one, and you know, go read the hockey news. It's a great, it's a great website and publication to get your hockey news from.